Well, howdy, Hootah Thunkers. This is the host of the Hootah Thunkin' podcast, Zeb, coming at you. Episode 115, Evil Knievel. Before we get into the life of the famous Evil Knievel, I want to go over that recommendation segment, as I always do. Or I have someone else do it. This week, I recommend you check out a 10-year-old movie. came out in 2012, the year I graduated from high school. It's called The Impossible. That's it. Starring Naomi Watts, Ewan McGregor, and Tom Holland when he was just a little kid. The movie is about a true story of a family vacationing in Indonesia when a massive tsunami hits. They're like right at the beach. I mean, their their resort, their room is right on the beachfront when the tsunami hits. Uh, I didn't expect to like the movie. I actually only clicked on it because, you know, I wanted to see if it was Tom Holland that I saw in the movie poster. I saw a face. I was like, is that Tom Holland? Is like a little boy? He looks like he's maybe 10 or something. And I clicked on it, thought maybe it would show me, like, do you want to play this? And it would show me the cast, and I could see, oh, it's Tom Holland moving on. Nope, I clicked it, and Tubi just started playing the movie right away, and it sucks you in. Like I said, I did not expect to like it, but I was blown away by how real the experience felt. It totally immerses you into the story. You feel like you were right there with Naomi Watts as she, like, limps around this wreckage of a city in search for her family. I was cursing at my TV, shedding tears, jumping with fright, saying, no, thank you. Like, it just so, it was so, oh, it was amazing. This movie is a gem, and it feels like they did everything possible to, to portray the events as they actually happened. You need to check it out. It sounds weird. I think I saw advertisements for it uh, when I was 18, but had a lot of other things in my mind than watching, you know, a heartfelt movie of, of survival and family and stuff. Uh, but I'm glad I watched it. It's it's great. Now, for the main event, Evil Knievel, uh, or Robert Craig Knievel, was born on October 17th of 1938 in Butte, Montana. In the early 1900s, the town of Butte looked like uh, something out of an old Western, Wild West movie. And it was kind of outdated looking. It was an old copper mining town. If you haven't been to places out west like Montana, I can tell you that it is a very different feel. Uh, there's a very different feel to it than places where I grew up in the East Coast. The North American West was one of the last places to be tamed by modern society in the whole world. It may have been tamed in the last 150 years, but it, it still has a wild side to it. Now, Evil's parent, that's then that's where he grew up in one of the wildest places I've ever been. Evil's parents married young and divorced fast. Evil was born in 1938. They had a second kid named Nicholas in 1939. And in 1940, both of them decided to abandon their children and leave Butte, Montana altogether. How nice. For that, I won't even mention their names here. Screw them. They don't need any recognition. Google it if you want to. Their father was 21 years old when he left, known for sleeping around on his 17-year-old wife uh, when she was pregnant with Nick, Nicholas. Um, she filed for divorce. So the two boys were raised by their parental grandparents, so um, their dad's parents. Um, their parental grandparents' names were Ignatius and Emma Knievel. Ignatius Knievel might be one of the coolest names I've ever heard. Evil Knievel, Evil Knievel's grandpa, the guy that raised him, his name was Ignatius Knievel. <laughs> Their father dropped the two boys, a toddler and an infant, off at his parents' place and went on to race cars in Reno. Little did the boy's father know or care that his father, Ignatius, suffered from bipolar disorder. Uh, pretty badly, too. He would go months without speaking. Meanwhile, his mother, in her late 40s, uh, was not up to the task of raising two very young, rambunctious boys um, while also trying to take care of her husband, who suffered from mental illness. So not the greatest situation there. Uh, 
but little Evil made do with what he had and got busy growing up. When he was just eight years old, Evil went to Joey, J-O-I-E, Joey, 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 Joey Chitwood Auto Daredevil Show, and he went to go see these guys race. This is where he got the taste of adrenaline in the form of motorcycle stunts. When he got a little older, he joined the track and field and hockey team in school. He excelled at, at, as an athlete, uh, but his grades were not were you know nothing really to write home about. And the people who grew up with him said Evil wasn't a bad person, but he was always seeking a thrill, and this got him in trouble a lot. Not real, no real surprise there. Evil Knievel was a handful in school. I, I bet that surprises nobody. But he was always pranking people, and usually were conducted in the name of good humor. But one time he took things a bit too far. To get back at his sworn enemy, uh, the school librarian, he took his belt and tied the librarian door sh or library door shut and lit two large trash cans on fire. That uh, sounds like attempted murder if he wasn't a kid. Anyway, firefighters arrived on the scene and no one was hurt, but Evil did get some legitimate punishment for this, which he should have. He literally could have burned people alive inside a library, like like that, that scene from the Patriot, like Patriot style, where they burned everybody in the church. That's kind of what could have happened there. Then, uh, when Evil was 16 years old, his dad finally came back after going to the store for cigarettes. 14 years later, uh, but, but, <laughs> I don't know if that's why went, what he said when he left. His kid was oldest kid was two. He probably didn't say anything. But he came back 14 years later. Papa Knievel was too late to try and turn his son around. When his father returned to Butte, Montana, his son had already been expelled from high school and was looking for work at the town copper mine. Anaconda Copper Mining Company. One mile uh, deep underground, Evil faced the harsh reality that is the life of a miner. If a cave-in, uh, you know, if a cave-in or poisonous gas didn't get them, uh, lung disease eventually would. When Papa Knievel opened a Volkswagen dealership in Butte and offered a job to his son, Evil told his old man to shove it. Screw you, Dad. Uh, where the shove it where the sun don't shine. Uh, which good for him. Evil was determined to make his own or make it on his own. He was able to escape the fate of a miner by getting a bus driving job for the Anaconda Mining Company. And can you imagine getting on the bus that is supposed to take you to work every day, to and from, and having a young Evil Knievel be your bus driver? Now, granted, he wasn't known as Evil Knievel then. He wasn't famous, but still, you would notice things. <laughs> I also love the fact that the name of the company that gave Evil Knievel his first big job was called Anaconda. <laughs> Legend has it that Evil would terrify his p passengers while he drove them to and from on the bus by attempting stunts with the work bus. He eventually lost his job because he tried to pop a wheelie with a company payloader. Of course, this attempt ended in disaster because it's a payloader and it's Evil freaking Knievel. Uh, the payloader came down on a huge uh, power cable that left most of Butte, Montana in darkness which is quite comical. If you don't know what a payloader is, I got a picture on the blog. It's huge, huge piece of machinery. I don't see how it's possible to do a, a wheelie with it, but if anyone could, Evil would have. Would have. <laughs> when he lost his job at Anaconda, he joined the Army Reserves. How do you think that played out? Just think about it. One of the most famous wild men in history trying to join an organization that tries to break down their members mentally and reconstruct them mentally um, well, evil didn't last very long in the military. Doesn't do well with uh, forms of authority. After the army, he bounced from town to town as a con man and picked up odd jobs. During this period in his life, he practiced his passion of motorcycle stunts and realized it could make him some cash if he promoted his stunts just a bit. 
So he told a crowd to gather at the Butte A&W restaurant to watch him climb a ridiculously steep hill with a nice Harley-Davidson motorcycle. He didn't get paid cash for this stunt, but the A&W manager realized uh, the crowd was good for business and fed evil for free, which I thought was cool. The Harley he used in the stunt, though, was not obtained legally, and not long after it, Evil was arrested for theft. While in jail, he rubbed elbows with some other known crooks about the town uh, by the name of William C. Knoffel. The uh, then known as Bobby Knievel heard a cop at the jail say, "Say, uh, well, boys, looks like we better double down our guard. We've got Evil Knievel and Awful Knoffel in our jail. And so, uh, one of the coolest monikers of all time was born Evil Knievel. And I refer to him as Evil throughout this podcast because it's the coolest name ever. The short stints in jail for motorcycle theft and other petty theft didn't scare him away from a life of crime. Evil soon began cracking open safes. But when he realized he could face serious time behind bars, he brushed himself brushed himself up and um, decided, I don't want to spend the rest of my life in jail or prison. So he tried something else. So he decided to try his luck at athletics. He had a knack for many sports, as we said, born athlete. While in the army, he learned how to pole vault and wasn't half bad. As an avid skier, he tried some to make some money jumping off of ski slopes. He even tried to start up his own hockey team. Now, this one comes with quite a big story, which I find hilarious. Now, you could make a movie out of just this part of his life. He tried to be the owner, coach, and starting center of a semi-pro hockey team called the Butte Bombers. That's a lot of work. <laughs> he scrounged up money from his grandfather and took out a loan to start the team and pay his players $50 a game. Even back in the 1960s and 50s, that's nothing. He hardly ever uh, was able to pay his players as the Butte Bombers didn't draw a huge crowd. <clears throat> then in 1960, Evil was able to set up an international game with the Czechoslovakian Olympic hockey team. Pretty good for a team that doesn't get much of a crowd, semi-pro. You got an Olympic team coming out. It's pretty awesome. They're coming to Butte, Montana. Although the Butte Bombers lost the game, Evil was able to secure some extra cash. <laughs> he uh, he started a fundraiser between the game periods to help pay for the Czech team's travel and lodging expenses. But when the game was all over, all the money and the receipts from the game went missing mysteriously. <laughs> the U.S. Olympic Committee, like the United States Committee for Olympics, was forced to re, uh, repay all the money to the Czech team. <laughs> After all this, the Butte Bombers team went belly up and Evil never went back to hockey. So <laughs> there's no proof, but he basically conned the Czechoslovakian Olympic hockey team out of all kinds of money that he raised by trying to fundraise for them <laughs> and then just let his team die. I, I got to give him props. No one was hurt, but that is ter pretty terrible. Evil, <laughs> Evil then tried an insurance, tried to be an insurance salesman, and but the you know nine to five desk job didn't suit him. As one would expect, he's evil, freaking Knievel. This is where he realized he was one hell of a salesman, though. He started selling motorcycles in the state of Washington, and to boost sales, he would jump motorcycles over dangerous animals like mountain lions and rattlesnakes. This, of course, made him a local legend. If you were watching local TV or listening to the radio, and you're like, come on down to Bert's motorcycle, Bert's motorcycle dealership. We got Evil Knievel, and he's going to jump over a rattlesnake just for you. We got great deals. You would be like, what? <laughs> how could it? How could this not work? How could this not make him a local legend? I have no interest in getting a motorcycle. But if a dude was going to jump over a pit of mountain lions or rattlesnakes at my local dealership, you bet I would be there to see it. 
<laughs> it would be amazing. In 1959, Evil Knievel married Linda Bork, and the two had four kids, sons Robbie and Kelly, and daughters Tracy and Alicia. Evil was married to Linda for 38 years, but it wasn't a fairy tale marriage. We'll, 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 get, we'll get to that later. Now for the fun stuff. Then in 1966, he started to get legit with his stunts by starting the Evil Knievel and his motorcycle daredevil stunt group. They were a great team, and it didn't last long. In 19... <laughs> Evil must not be much of a team player because they split really quickly, and he started to do his solo stunt career. And in 1967, Evil appeared in ABC's, ABC's Wide World of Sports in a bright and yellow black racing uniform on the back of a motorcycle. He jumped 15 cars. This was his first break in the name of fame. Come see on ABC's Wild World, Wide World of Sports, uh, Evil Knievel jumping over 15 cars. And I got a picture of it. It looks amazing. He's always wearing his cape thing. But now, his uh, arguably his one of his most famous stunts, um, not long after his first big TV appearance on ABC, Evil was strolling through the Las Vegas Strip. As he passed Caesar's Palace, he got a wild idea to jump over um, the fountain in a in front of Caesar's Palace in a blaze of glory. Something that doesn't really occur to most people. If you've ever been to Caesar's Palace and seen their fountain, it's friggin' huge. <laughs> Evil Knievel's style, um, that's just how we do. But how was he going to do it? Well, instead of going through the proper... Or wait. Well, instead of going through the, pr the proper channels asking permission, Evil decided to try unconventional means. You know, he's more of a beg for forgiveness kind of guy than ask for permission. So Evil Knievel apparently uh, called Jay Sarno, the owner of Caesar's Palace, and acted like a journalist who wanted to know more about a stuntman planning to jump the fountain. The casino owner didn't want someone to jump his fountain without his cut of the profits, so he called up Evil Knievel without recognizing Evil's voice as the same guy who called um, acting like a journalist. Jay Sarno asked if Evil Knievel would beat the non-existing other stuntman to the point and jump the fountain in, the, in an official stunt. So, even more legendary than how he got the permission to do it, Evil Knievel's Caesar's Palace stunt gave the crowd exactly what they were looking for. Evil cleared the massive fountain out uh, front of the casino, but as he came down the other side, he fell short of the downward ramp. His bike slammed right into like the edge of the ramp, really bad and his limp body somersaulted and flipped through the air and then skidded across the pavement it's pretty bad but when you're a crowd that's kind of exactly what you want to see you want to see the stunt man do the stunt get really hurt not die and that's what you want to see <laughs> i mean everyone goes to see it in the end evil had a crushed pelvis broken hips broken nose fractured jaw broken ribs and he cracked his melon so hard he was in a coma for weeks let's go over that again so crushed pelvis broken hip broken nose, fractured jaw, broken ribs, and a, and a coma that lasted weeks. <laughs> but I gotta say, the picture of him jumping over Caesar's, Caesar's Palace fountain, pretty freaking cool. <laughs> now, because he's evil Knievel, he woke up and fully recovered. He woke up and was welcomed with worldwide fame. The media had told the world that the stuntman nearly, was nearly killed uh, the stunt nearly killed him, but he was able to survive. He was never in, I mean, they weren't, they weren't sure he was going to die, but they were like, oh, he nearly escaped death. So he was, he became really famous after that. Then came the stunt that I heard about when I was in elementary school. The idea was hatched in a drunken stupor back in 1966. One of Evil's buddies jokingly said uh, he couldn't pull off an 
he couldn't pull it off, and Evil took that as a challenge. For this stunt, our boy was able to get legit permission from the Department of Interior, but apparently they approved the request because they thought he was joking. Evil Knievel wanted to jump over the Grand Canyon. When Evil scheduled a jump, uh, like I said, he got permission from the Department of Interior, but when he actually scheduled it, <laughs> scheduled a date, uh, they realized he was serious and rescinded their approval, so he wasn't able to do it. And if he did it, I mean, he needed approval to tr even attempt this. Although Evil never was able to jump the Grand Canyon, his son did, and he kicked ass doing it. Just a little side note here. An article from The Guardian written in 1999 said, Robbie Knievel, uh, son of the motorcycle daredevil Evil Knievel, became the first person to jump the Grand Canyon in a motorbike when he cleared a 60-meter, 200-foot chasm to break his own distance record. So, uh, way to go, Robbie Knievel. Happy for you. Undeterred by the Grand Canyon fiasco in 1974, Evil decided to jump the Snake River Canyon in Idaho. And it is a one-mile chasm, and he used a custom-made steam-powered rocket that he dubbed the Sky Cycle X-2. Now, usually Evil Knievel was known for being optimistic and balls-to-the-wall, tough uh, about attempting crazy stunts, but for this, he was convinced he was going to die. Uh, but he did it anyway. Evil Knievel sat inside a red, white, and blue painted steam-powered rocket and shot himself high into the pale blue Idaho, 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 Idaho sky. As he began to plummet to the ground, he deployed his parachute, some say a little too early, which promptly manu uh, malfunctioned, and uh, this malfunction caused Evil to not technically make it to the other side. But it was still a spectacle, it looked like, from the pictures I see. I mean, the man shot himself into the sky in a rocket, which had no ceiling, mind you, and, like, it was a convertible, like, his head was exposed, and he was able to survive, to survive. Regardless of how crazy I think the Snake River Canyon stunt was, it was a stunt that marked Evil's downward spiral out of the spotlight. Uh, before Snake River, the public saw Evil as the guy who could do anything, but now they doubted his abilities, and there was another factor that contributed to his reputation going sour. While in the 60-plus uh, city tour to hype up the Snake River stunt, it was a pretty big deal. Evil Knievel had a uh, reporter join him on the road. While Evil liked to be seen as a tough guy who lived a moral life, you know, a good guy, the reporter saw something different. While touring the country, Evil apparently got blacked out drunk all the time, uh, cheated on his wife, disturbingly had a disturbingly large ego, a quick temper, and a tendency to abuse his wife, Linda. Now, I've always thought of Evil Knievel as an American hero of sorts, but if the domestic abuse stuff is real, then I may have to rethink that. I expected a guy like Evil to have a huge ego, substance abuse, and anger issues. That doesn't really bother me that much, you know? But directly harming someone else, especially a loved one, is a step too far in my book. And... This article that exposed evil behind the scenes didn't sit well with the man himself. He tracked the reporter down and viciously beat the guy with an aluminum bat until he was unconscious. The reporter's arm was also shattered in the beating. Now, what did that accomplish? Nothing. <laughs> if anything, it made it worse. Big surprise that <laughs> beating the reporter didn't make things go away. After it came out, neighbors and friends of the Knievels were interviewed for a scoop on their home life. Apparently, it was no secret that Evil beat his wife, Linda. She was known as a kind soul in the area, and Evil was looked down upon for how he treated his wife. <clears throat> the thinking was that Evil viewed marriage as a very archaic fashion. He treated Linda like a second-class citizen in her own home, and that lasted 38 years. So, not great. Again, I wasn't there. I don't know if this did happen, uh, but if all this is true, Evil Knievel 
subjected that woman to a life of hell for almost four decades. That's messed up. Evil, known as a womanizer, had seen many women, but when he started to sleep with pro golfer Crystal Kennedy in 1992, it would lead to Evil divorcing his wife, Linda, in 1997. So five years before the divorce, he's seeing someone else. And just two years later, in 1999, Evil and Crystal get married in 1999. Then two more years, 2001, they split, divorce. One year after their divorce, Crystal gets a restraining order against Knievel, claiming he beat her and threatened her over the phone. Evil was 63, Crystal was 32. Evil accused Crystal of threatening him with a gun over some jewelry, and through all this, the couple stayed close, and Evil died in 2007. So, that's the life of Evil Knievel. He was the world's greatest stuntman. The dude broke the world record for the most bones broken in a lifetime with 433 bones. He set that shit in 1975, and it still stands today. That's a badass statistic, but not one worth trying to beat. <laughs> By 2000, it's, it's not worth the risk. By 2006, Evil needed a morphine drip to keep the constant pain at bay. He had such a riddled body. Evil died of complications from a couple things. Diabetes, alcoholism, a rare disease called idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, and, you know, that's excess scar tissue around the vertebrae, and the obvious, countless injuries from a lifetime of stunts. He died in November of 2007 in Florida. His body was taken to Butte, Montana for his final resting place. Evil Knievel has been uh, the topic of this episode. He was an American daredevil who attempted more than 75 ramp-to-ramp -ramp motorcycle jumps. His longest jump was 133 feet long. Some of the more famous include flying over the fountain at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, jumping over buses at London's Wembley Stadium, and an aborted trip across the Snake River Canyon in a steam-powered vehicle. That is Evil Knievel for you, Huda Thunkers. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you tune in next week. Um, work is getting quite crazy. <laughs> I had 15 weeks of being trained and hardly having anything to do all day. And that is uh, that quickly came to an end last week and this week. I'm actually working, so... I don't know. Might have to trim these down to every two weeks. I know. Sucks. But might have to do it. Maybe once a month. I don't know. But thanks for listening, Huda Thunkers. I'm going to try my best to keep this puppy going. Tune in next week. Listen anywhere you want. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, or we're hosted on Anchor, which is owned by Spotify. So, check you later. Mm -hmm.